Thank you for listening to this message from Faith Builders. Pastors Philip and Michelle Still are dedicated to building your faith and framing your world by the Word of God. There are many more resources available on our website, www.buildfaith.net, where you can find links to our audio and video archives. We also invite you to join us online for our live stream services. Remember to build your faith and frame your world by the Word of God. So let's go to John 14, and we want to continue with this that we've been on, being skilled in the flow. And uh, just like uh, Wednesday night, when I uh, talked about uh, what has your attention, somebody told me today that they left Wednesday night church and that they, uh, they uh, ran five big trucks off the road, got a ticket for rejoicing so much. And they said, if they'd have put me in jail, you'd have had to come shout me out. (laughs) I got an email from somebody else that said, in Wednesday night service, they got healed of two bodily conditions. Amen. Got home and were well. But that being said, uh, I I was seeking the Lord about, obviously, Wednesday night. And uh, about, I said, we'd been preaching on what has your attention. And I was asking the Lord, do I need to move away from that? or do I? And he told me to stay with it. Well, same with this. I've been asking the Lord, do I need to move away from this that we've been on, skilled in the flow? And he's directed me to stay here for a bit. And uh, in John 14, and uh, verse 26, and we talked about the different things that the Holy Spirit is. I'm not going to take the time to... Uh, uh, recap that you can go back and see on our YouTube channel or or even order the CD skilled in the flow and we detail the seven different things that Jesus said the Holy Spirit would do for us but the key there is that there's a flow of the Holy Spirit for every area of my life all right I've got to become skilled in that flow the Holy Spirit knows everything I don't know everything My job is to become skilled in understanding how he operates so that I can function with him. I tell my leaders all the time, I will deal with every leader the same way because it's never my job to make sure I am uh, cooperating with your personality. It's your job to cooperate with my personality because I'm leading. The Holy Spirit is our leader. He's our guide. He's our director, right? And so I've got to become skilled with how does he flow? How does he do things? And so in John 14 and 26, notice what Jesus says about him. He says, but the comforter, which is the Holy Ghost. I like that Jesus is so quick to point out he is the Holy Ghost, right? That's important because... He's, he's talking to people that he's about to leave. For three and one half years, Jesus is the only comfort they've known. Whenever things were going wrong, Jesus was there to say, it'll be okay. Right? Jesus produced. Jesus did for them. And he says, but the comforter, which is the Holy Ghost, who the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring all things to your remembrance. Whatever I have said to you. 
So notice the comforter, the counselor, the one called alongside to help me. Notice that Jesus said he's a divine teacher. He's a teacher. He will teach you all things. Amen? Amen. Say that out loud. He will teach me all things. All right? So when you see that word shall, it's a covenant word. It's an assurance word. It's a, it's a word of certainty. This is what's going to happen. He's going to come and he will teach you. And he will teach you all things. Right? Amen. Now, you, you, you take into consideration that word all and then the word things. So there's no thing that you can come up against that he doesn't know how to teach you about it. He will teach you all things. John chapter 14. The Holy Spirit took the place of the physical man, Jesus. And that's why we said, I think, two messages ago, that you can't truly understand the Holy Spirit unless you have an understanding of the triune Godhead. That they're not three separate individuals in the sense that they think differently. They're three separate entities that think the same. They are one. They're one in thought, they're one in process, they're one in mannerisms, they're one in speaking, they're one in action. They are essentially and completely whole, yet manifest in three different persons. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. And even though they are three and one, they each have distinct and separate uh, responsibilities. Jesus' primary responsibility now is the intercessor. The The Father's primary responsibility at this point is he is he's the creator the holy spirit though is the 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 member of the godhead that is presently physically in the earth doing everything that jesus said he would do he has come he is teaching he is leading he is guiding and he is directing that's their job amen hallelujah so john 14 and verse 16 Jesus says, notice, I will pray the Father and he will give you another comforter that he may abide with you forever. Even the spirit of truth that the world cannot receive because it seeth him not, neither knows him, but you know him, for he dwelleth with you in the person of Jesus when he was talking, and he shall be in you. Amen. You know, there are believers today that say, well, I know Jesus. Well, how do you know Jesus? Through the Holy Spirit. People say, well, I've met Jesus. Well, how'd you meet Jesus? Through the Holy Spirit. The Bible says you cannot come to the Father if the Spirit doesn't draw you. Amen. Well, why is the Spirit the one doing the drawing? Because on the earth at this time in the four Gospels, Jesus was the one drawing people to the Father. But Jesus is now seated at the right hand of God the Father. The Holy Spirit is in the earth. He's drawing people to the Father. Amen. So notice that Jesus says, he, will dwell, he dwells with you and shall be in you. Hallelujah. The Woos Bible says, As for myself, I will ask the Father and another counselor of the same kind as I am. He will give you in order that he might be with you forever. So notice he says, another counselor of the same kind. So right now, I have access to a teacher of the same caliber as Jesus living on the inside of me. Amen. 
I've had people say, wouldn't it have been great to hear Jesus teach on that mountainside? You have that teacher on the inside of you right now, and you can hear him anytime you want. See, religion has so much to do with the physical man, Jesus. Right? If I could have just seen Jesus or walked in his footsteps. Here's the problem with that. Most of the people that heard Jesus physically and walked in his footsteps left him. Right? Even the 12 left him. Now they came back, but there's no guarantee you would have been one of them that came back. <laughs> right? Jesus said, what did he say when he appeared to Thomas? He said, or, or to the 12 with Thomas. He said, you have believed because you've seen. He said, it's more blessed, the ones that are more blessed are those that have believed and have not seen. That's us. We believe in Jesus because of the person of the Holy Spirit, even though we've never seen Jesus. Never seen Him, but we have a teacher who drew us to Him and taught us what Jesus said, and we believe in Jesus because of that teacher. So at any time, I can sit down and have a conference with this divine teacher who will teach me everything I need to know. Hallelujah. Do you see that? Just like the disciples, and we'll get into this. The disciples would run into something while Jesus was teaching publicly. You know, the disciples were like uh, uh, a, lot, a lot of uh, bishops and elders in churches. You know, I've, I've grown up, I've, I've seen that. They'll be on the platform. And you know, you've got to get the preacher pose when you're on the platform because you can't let any of the congregation know that you're excited or that maybe he said something you don't know or she did. And so, you know, you kind of... You know, you might jump up, but... <clears throat> now, I know some people's personality is not to shout, and I understand that, and I'm fine with that. But, but you know, that's how the disciples were. Jesus would be say they didn't know nothing. Jesus pulled them out of a boat. Took them from a tax booth, right? And so Jesus would say things, and the crowd would go, huh, what? And the disciples would be... And then they'd get to the house and they'd go, what did you mean? And what would Jesus do? He would teach them. He would break it down and teach them. If there's something I don't know, don't just sit there and go, huddle up with the Holy Ghost, with the teacher, and say, what do you mean by this? I need to know what you're saying. And what will he do? He'll break it down line upon line. He'll bring it to you in whatever area he needs to bring it to you. Whatever it is, God will speak to you that way. Amen. Am I helping you? Yes. Hallelujah. Notice in John chapter 3. So we have access to a teacher of the same caliber as Jesus on the inside. Oh, glory to God. John chapter 3. Now, I, I want to show you a couple things here just just. To reinforce what we're saying. It says, verse 1, There was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. Now, a ruler, he's a teacher. He's a, he's a Pharisee. All right? He's a doctor of the law. He knows what's going on in the Scripture. But notice something. 
even the experts came to the teacher. Right? And notice what he says to him. The same came to Jesus by night and said, Rabbi, we know that you're a, notice, teacher come from God. For no man can do these miracles that you do except God be with him. So this is important because notice how they address Jesus as a teacher, as the teacher. Right? Then in uh, Matthew 4, Matthew 4, thank you, Lord. I got a feeling. Amen. Verse 23. This is right after he had called James and John from the ship. And verse 22 says, They immediately left their ship and their father and followed him. And Jesus went about all Galilee teaching in their synagogues, preaching the gospel of the kingdom and healing all manner of sickness and all manner of disease among the people. So you can see what was first in the arsenal that Jesus was teaching. Well, why did he have to go about teaching? Because people didn't know. He had to come teaching. If people are not taught well, they cannot believe well. They have to be taught well. And, and, and you can't be taught well if you don't have the divine teacher. Hallelujah. Then in Mark 6, he says something else, and, and, and it says something else, and we see a, a little, uh, another layer to this. Mark 6, and we'll start in verse 5. And he, Jesus, or the divine teacher, could there do no mighty work, save he laid his hands on a few sick folk and healed them, and he marveled because of their unbelief. Now notice right away, Jesus isolates the problem. It's unbelief. He marveled or was bewildered at their unbelief. So we see the problem here is unbelief. So then notice what he did. And he went round about the villages teaching. So Jesus says, notice, Jesus says, that the answer for unbelief is teaching. If, if, if there's things a person doesn't know or things that they do not believe, they have to be taught. And so these people who were in his own hometown that, that, that knew him for whatever reason, I mean, we know why they didn't honor him, they didn't respect him, and the anointing couldn't flow through him the way that it, that it, that it did in other places. But notice that instead of Jesus getting angry and throwing a fit and shaking the dust off his feet and walking off, he went teaching. Because the answer to unbelief is teaching. And you have that teacher on the inside of you. So if there's something I don't know or something I don't believe or something I'm having a hard time with, don't get frustrated. Consult the teacher. Ask the teacher. Amen. I've been in services before that maybe were a little different than, than our church. And when I mean that, I mean maybe a little different denominationally or, or whatever. I've heard ministers that maybe were not in the same, if I can say it this way, word of faith vein. 
But man, something would start flowing, and I say something, and you understand what I'm saying. The something would start flowing, and I just had to close my eyes. And man, when I closed my eyes, there he was. That's the teacher. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Amen. One time I was listening to a Baptist brother teach on the Holy Spirit. And you know, if you're not careful as a Pentecostal, you'll think, well, what in the world could a Baptist know about the Holy Spirit that I don't know? But you know, I closed my eyes and there he was. There was the teacher. Amen. Now, they don't have all the light. We don't have all the light, but we carry one and are infilled and indwelt by one that does know everything. And if he chooses to speak through a Baptist or through an assembly of God or a church of God or a word of faith, then I need to be open to what the teacher is saying. Amen? Are you following me? Now, don't, don't, don't misunderstand me. I, be, I believe you need to stay in your camp and stay in your lane. I mean, I understand that. But if somebody else is running in the other lane and they're from a different team or a different group and they're saying something that's true, listen to the teacher. Don't filter it through ears of what you think and what you believe. Filter it through the ears of what the teacher's saying. Glory, there's people that would not be healed today if they hadn't went somewhere outside of their camp that believed in divine healing. If they'd have stayed in the place they were, they would have died. Not because they were mean people, but because they had not allowed the teacher to reveal to them that it was God's will to heal. The only thing that people have is they're not listening to the teacher. They're listening to what mama taught and they bought or grandma taught and they bought instead of listening to what the Holy Spirit's saying. Glory to God. When you, when you hear something, I, I, remember, I remember one day, I was just a young man. Still a young man, but younger. <laughs> Got to remind my, somebody, somebody, it was Anna yesterday. I just, I just had to look out the window. Amen. We're, we're coming down the road. We were talking about children, and she was asking me about my, my, my uh, uh, Angela. And I, she said, how old is she? I said, she's 26. She go, oh, pastor, you got real grown kids now. I mean, full grown. Yeah, and four grandkids. What of it? But <laughs> anyway, I was younger then. And I heard a minister, I don't even remember who I heard, but uh, I, I was listening to something, I was probably 17 maybe, and he talked about the fact that Jesus wasn't poor. Well, I never heard that. Folks, when you grow up in a denomination that prayed about their pastor, Lord, you keep them humble and we'll keep them poor, right? I mean, you don't hear anything about prosperity, especially about Jesus being not broke, but... I remember being a kid at 17 and knowing that bore witness with my spirit. And I was, I was on a trip with a, a, an older minister and I began to talk about that revelation that, that I had heard. And I said, you know, I was hearing this and, and, and this guy said Jesus wasn't poor and I said, that makes sense to me. Oh, he went off. Jesus was too poor. He was poor. I mean, veins bulging, red in the face. And I'm 17, I'm thinking, why are you fighting for Jesus to be poor? Right? 
I, I don't understand it. But yet they want everything that Jesus had, but they want to say Jesus didn't have anything. But then they want to preach that we're supposed to imitate him. Well, if Jesus didn't have anything and didn't have a house and didn't have any money and didn't have anything, then you better go get yourself a tent and not have anything. Oh, well, God doesn't expect me to do that. If He expected Jesus to do it, He expects you to do it. That's why it says He became poor so we could be rich. Everything He did was for us. But here's my point in saying that. I knew The teacher was teaching me something. I didn't know how to get it, but I knew it was mine. Well, I had to get out of my lane because I wasn't going to hear that in the lane I was running in. I was in the poor lane, the broke lane. That's why we always lost. We didn't have what we needed. We were broke. Got over in the prosperity lane, got some good equipment. Amen. Amen. But the teacher was teaching me. That you know, no man ever taught you that tithing was right and no person ever convinced you. It was the Holy Spirit. It was the Holy Spirit. You heard it from somebody who told you the truth, but the Holy Spirit had to quicken it to you. Everything. When the Holy Spirit quickens it, then I have then then the teacher is teaching me and convincing me, and it's just a matter of time, if I'm listening, that I'll get it. Why? Because the Bible says, the Spirit bears witness with our spirit. And and I know it's talking there about you are the sons of God, but the Spirit will bear witness with your spirit that it's God's will to heal you, that it's God's will to bless you, that it's God's will to prosper you, that it's God's will that your life be above the norm. The Spirit will convince you that God wants these things in your life. Amen. Oh, glory. So this divine teacher. So Jesus said, I've got to go teach him. To cure this unbelief, i got to go teach. Folks, that's why, that's why whooping and shouting and bouncing, that's all great. That doesn't change lives. What changes lives is teaching the Word. What changes lives is the Word of God being witnessed in our heart by the Holy Spirit. I've, watched, I've, I've known people over the years. I've been doing this long enough to have an opinion, I think. I've, 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 I've watched people over the years, sometimes the people that shouted the loudest, ran the hardest, whooped the biggest, and clapped the longest. My goodness, they, they, th- things would not change in their life because all they had was a whoop, a shout, a clap, and a run. But the moment they got a hold of the Word of God, God doesn't care if you whoop and shout and clap and run, but the moment you get a hold of the Word of God, you understand what you're whooping about, what you're shouting about, what you're running about, and what you're joyous about because it's bearing witness with you. Amen. I do all of them. Amen. Pray clap less than any of it, but you understand what I'm saying. That doesn't bother me at all. People say, does it bother you when I amen? No, it probably helps the preaching. But the point is, is hear the teacher. Don't just hear me. You're not just limited to me. 
You're not limited to any man or woman that stands behind this pulpit. There are 10 or 15 or 20 things that the Holy Spirit can tell you while I'm teaching that you never heard from me, but you heard from the Holy Spirit because you're here, you're engaged, you're huddled up with Him. You're not just hearing me, you're hearing Him. Glory to God. I had somebody tell me Wednesday night, all through that message, God was correcting me. He was showing me some things. He was directing me. Well, I, I didn't know anything I said was for anybody but just me. I'm preaching to me. But here's the thing. When you're listening to the Holy Spirit, something's going to change. Am I helping you? So teaching is instruction. It's explaining. Instruction. It's explaining. You know, I love it that the Bible calls us the children of God. Right? You know, especially when children are young, you can't do a lot of proclaiming. Preaching is proclaiming. you got to do a lot of teaching and explaining. Because what's, what's one of the favorite questions of a little child? Why? Well, you can't answer that question by, because the Word of God said... Now get up on your feet, run around this room three times, I'll slap you on the head and everything will be okay. Now you got to sit down and explain. And there's time for running and slapping, don't misunderstand. But, but you've got to explain it. This is why. Right? Amen. Explaining. Teaching is explaining. Preaching is proclaiming. Teaching is instruction. The Holy Spirit, because He's just like Jesus, will instruct us and explain things to us. Because He's just like Jesus. Jesus, the only thing that ever frustrated Jesus was unbelief. And it it wasn't so much unbelief with people that had never heard Him. It was unbelief with people that should have known better. You are expected to grow past unbelief. You're expected to get to the place as a Christian that when you see it in the Word, you believe it, that it's yours. When Jesus was at the tomb of Lazarus, if you remember that, they sent him and said Lazarus was sick and Jesus stayed uh, three more days. And then they sent and said, well, he died. And Jesus went back. And, And the first person that he met was Martha. Right? And Martha said, Lord, if you'd have been here, my brother wouldn't have died. And what Jesus said, your brother will live again. Yes. Well, yeah, Lord, I know he'll live again in, in the resurrection. Well, I am the resurrection. Yes. Right? And then, and then he went and, uh, to Mary, and Mary said the same thing, Lord, if you'd have been here. And Jesus said, didn't I tell you that your brother would live again? Yes. Well, up until that point in the narrative, we don't see Mary anywhere around. She was in the house crying. When Jesus was talking to Martha, she was in the house crying. And they said, the master's here. And she got up and ran out. Jesus wasn't talking to her in the first dialogue. He's talking to Martha. But here he's talking to Mary who just came into the narrative. And he says, didn't I tell you your brother would live again? So at some point before Jesus ever got back to that city in that town, he had told him your brother's going to live again. Right? Then the next verse says, Jesus wept, groaned in his spirit, and wept. Jesus wept. 
And what did the Jews say? The unbelievers, those that had no access to the divine teacher. They said, oh, look how he loved him. You know, and, and, and I used to know there was something not quite right with what people taught. And so I began to investigate it. And when it says he groaned in his spirit, it's, it's, a, it's a sound. It's, it, the, the, in, in the Greek, it's literally this. A guttural, a guttural form of disgust. Jesus wasn't going, oh. He was going, oh. I told you he would live again. He did that twice. In that one chapter, he groaned in his spirit twice out of frustration. I told you he would live again. And then he went, oh, take the stone away. Lord, he's dead four days, he stinks. If Jesus had told you that your brother would live again and he waited 10 days after reading what we read in the scripture, this is why we have the scripture. There are things that you take and you put yourself in that scripture knowing what you know. If Jesus had told you, I am going to raise your brother from the dead. When I get there, I'm going to raise him from the dead. If he'd have waited 10 days, if you're believing the word, if you're believing what he said, then if he says roll the stone away, you're right. Get that stone out of the way. That's right. He's going to raise him from the dead. You're not going to say, yeah, but he stinks. That's why the, the scriptures are the word of God, inspired by the Holy Ghost, brought to life by the Holy Spirit, placed in your life so that when you come up against a challenge, you have what the divine teacher said right here in the Word. It's no different than the man Jesus being in the earth when you have the Word of God in the earth. That's why John 1 says in the beginning, God was the, that Jesus was the Word and the Word was with God and the Word was God and the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. Well, the Word that became flesh ministered on this earth was transfigured and ascended back to the Father and sent the Holy Spirit to write this book and give us His Word again. Glory be to God. Hallelujah. So, when I see this and I read this, no matter what I'm facing, I have His Word. I'm going to fix it. I'm going to change it. Don't ever, don't ever tell God, yeah, but. Because the divine teacher's already told you. Am I helping you? So when, they, when, when she said, oh, Lord, he stinks. Boy, if Jesus had been going on their faith, what we'd have read in the book is, and Lazarus stunk and stayed dead. But because Jesus... <laughs> was operating on his faith. Lazarus rose from the dead. But notice, notice where his frustration was with their unbelief. Not their sorrow, not their grief over their brother dying, over their unbelief. Amen. So teaching then is instruction. But notice the teacher has to be engaged. You have to engage the teacher. Amen. I've had people before say, well, why didn't you tell me such and such? I said, because you didn't ask. And I've had people say, do I have to ask? Mm-hmm. 
Why? Because it's none of my business otherwise. Well, I've learned this. When people come and tell me something, they've already made their mind up. If you come and ask me, you haven't made a decision yet. My, my adult kids, they'll call me some, from time to time and say, Dad, I'm going to do this. Okay. They didn't ask me. Yeah, but they're your kids. Right, but they're adults. Sometimes you get in trouble when you try to meddle in grown folks' life. But if they call me and say, Dad, I'm, I'm thinking about doing this, what do you think? Well, now the door's open for instruction, explanation. Now the door's open for me to maybe be able to speak to them out of my spirit. Now, if they listen, so be it. If they don't, are you following me? I have to engage the teacher. I may have told you this story, but I'll tell you again. There was a, and I don't know what show it was, so don't ask me. I don't watch it, but there was a certain cooking show, and they were contestants on this show. And if you won a round, your, part of your reward was you got to have this world-class chef uh, come and, like, help you for 15 minutes. You know, if somebody's world-class at something, they can do a lot in 15 minutes. 10 minutes, excuse me, 10 minutes. So this lady won this round. World-class chef comes. What can I do to help you? Now, there's any number of things running through my mind. Give me a recipe. Uh, I can ask you to do anything in this 10 minutes. Make the main dish. Right? I mean, that's what I'm thinking. You know what this lady said? <clears throat> you can chop the vegetables. The teacher is here, and she's got the teacher chopping vegetables. The Holy Ghost is not just tongues. He's a teacher. Don't ever find yourself just letting the Holy Ghost chop vegetables while you're trying to plan the main course. I want him planning and making the recipe and me just following along. Mm-hmm, cup of this, and okay, tablespoon of that, and all right, pinch of this, right? That's what the teacher said. That's what the teacher said. And then when I get done, and somebody goes, boy, this sure is good, just say, yeah, I got a good teacher. I got a good teacher. I can't take any credit for it. The only thing I did was listen to him and listen to the instruction. Amen. Hallelujah. I learned that a long time ago. I am not a carpenter. I'm, I mean, I'm, I'm just, my son is, but I'm not. Uh, but if you give me some instructions, I can make things look pretty good. And you know, when you're done with it, what do you sit back and do? You see if it looks like the picture. Why do they give you a picture and give you instructions? So that somebody came up with that item in their mind and put it down on paper so you could follow it and have instruction and have the very same thing that they have in their life. 
Jesus gave us that instructor and that teacher called the Holy Spirit so that we could see the same things Jesus saw, do the same things Jesus saw, say the same things Jesus saw. Our ministry is no different than the ministry of Jesus because we both have the same teacher. And the Holy Spirit is not going to teach Jesus something and teach us something different. Oh, glory. Amen. So the teacher has to be engaged. For the believer, there's never a reason to stay ignorant. You know, the world says ignorance is bliss. Ignorance is deadly. Because what you don't know can kill you. So I, I and, and remember that ignorance, it, it, that can be a, a, a detrimental term. It just means to be without understanding, to not know. But if you don't know, what's worse? Not knowing or refusing to know? Refusing to know. It's like what's worse? The man who can't read or the man that won't read? The man that won't read. If I have access to all of this wisdom and knowledge, the world's storehouse of wisdom, I have access to the architect that framed the universe inside me. That teacher, you know, God spoke it, the Holy Spirit did it. God declared it, the Holy Spirit created it. He's the creative arm of the Godhead. God said it, Holy Spirit created it. You are the Holy Spirit's greatest work. Amen. When, when God created Adam out of the dust of the ground, then it says he breathed into man his breath, God's breath. Well, in God's breath is God's spirit. So we'll say, well, you know, God brought Adam to life. No, the Holy Spirit brought Adam to life. God created, the Holy Spirit gave life. When you were born again, you were spiritually dead. The Bible says you were dead. You were a dead man walking. You were dead in your trespasses and in your sins. You needed a creative force to come into your life and create something that wasn't there. Very often we say we were recreated in the image of God. No, 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 no. You were not in the image of God when you were a sinner. You had to be created in the image of God. And when the Holy Spirit came into your life, He created you in the image of God. Hallelujah. And God's DNA, God's wisdom, God's instruction, everything that you need. When you buy a new phone, an iPhone or whatever phone you have, when you buy it, all the software comes with it. It's there. When God created you, the Holy Spirit created you at the new birth, all of God's software came with it. I have access to it. I just have to learn to use it. How do I learn to use it? I engage the booklet. I engage the instructions. I engage the operator's manual. Amen. Whew. John 16, 13. Are you getting anything out of this? And the thing that is so wonderful is the ease of use. This divine teacher, if you've ever thought about this, you have a best friend in the Godhead. He's my friend. 
Don't ever let religion convince you that God's not friendly or that the Holy Spirit's not your best friend. Well, that's not a very reverent term. Reverence is dependent upon you, not terms. God is my father, but he's also my friend. And I can choose to reverence my friend as my father. But no, he's my friend. It's up to me. The Holy Spirit is your friend. The Holy Spirit is your personal guide because he wants to be. Not because he has to be. He wants to be. He wants to lead you. He wants to guide you. He wants to protect you. He wants to teach you. He's, he's itching to show you something today. I just have to engage him. And he'll talk to you in whatever language you prefer. Hallelujah. Glory to God. God doesn't talk to somebody from West Texas in Elizabethan English. He'll explain things in terms you know. He'll speak to you in voices that speak to you. Amen. I remember the very first time that the Lord got some things across to me where my words were concerned. He spoke to me in Charles Capp's voice. I don't mean voice I could hear here. I mean right here. And I heard Charles Capp. Well, why would he do that? Because that voice spoke to me. I've had people say, Pastor, you woke me up last night. Well, I didn't really. But I was speaking in their spirit. My voice, the Holy Spirit was using it. Mm. So you're walking around with the operating system of heaven on the inside of you and the chief engineer and creator of it standing right there as well. And if I don't know what that button does, I just ask the creator. And he'll tell me what that button does. He'll tell me the shortest way around something. He'll tell me the most sure way to get there. But I've got to engage him. Got to engage him. John 16 and 13. Notice, how be it when he, the spirit of truth, has come. He will guide you into all truth. So the teacher, then, will guide us into all truth. Guide means to lead or to show the way. So listening to the teacher is the best defense against error and deception. If I'm listening to the teacher. You know, people don't get into deception because they quit listening to a certain preacher. They get into deception because they quit listening to the Holy Ghost. That's important. I've had ministers tell me, well, they quit listening to me and got over into error. No, brother, they quit listening to the Holy Spirit. If if I'm speaking by the Holy Spirit and a person quits listening to me, they can get in trouble because of the gift that's on my life, the gift of a pastor. But pastors have to be careful with that because I'm not the end-all, be-all. I can miss it. But the Holy Spirit can't. It's impossible for the Holy Spirit to be wrong. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Listening... To the teacher is the best defense against error and deception. Here's why. The Holy Spirit has intimate knowledge of any information we need. Because He knows everything. Don't ever keep something back that you figure you can fix.
well, I don't need to bring that to God. That, that's not what Scripture says. It says to take all things to Him. Isn't that what it says? All your cares, all your anxieties, once and for all, cast them on Him. It says with prayer and petition, present your requests to God. And the peace of God that passes all understanding will guard your heart and mind through Christ Jesus. Yeah, but you know, I'm not worried, really worried about this one. I mean, I think I can figure it out. I mean, it's on my mind a lot. Then Scripture says that you're supposed to present that to Him. Why? He knows the answer. If you can get the answer in five minutes, why take five days to figure it out? Right? It's kind of like riding with my wife. Especially back in the days before GPS, we would buy a, 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 an atlas. Anybody remember atlases? Amen. And uh, I remember the first time we went to Southern California. Uh, I was driving, and she had the atlas. And she's telling me where to go. Amen. Man, that woman is so intuitive. She, just, she had the directions before I knew I needed them. And she's that way. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. That's, that's why I, I probably should not say that a lot of the attributes of the Holy Spirit are the attributes that God gives to wisdom in Proverbs, and He calls wisdom a she. I'm not saying the Holy Spirit's a she. I'm just, I'm just saying, guys, inside of our wives, there's something on the inside of them that's innately Spirit-led, and they're designed to help us, and designed to help us make it and not miss it, And if you'll listen, if you'll listen, you'll not only hear her, you'll hear him. Oh, I believe God. Amen? Because I'll tell you something. When you talk about that word submission and you talk about that wife submitting, well, very often people bring that out. But here's the thing. When you study out that word submission... It means that you have a military ally in your wife, guys, that can see into the future and know where the enemy's at. There is such a thing as woman's intuition, especially if they're born again. Hallelujah. I'm going to leave that right there. Praise God. The teacher's teaching. He said, but I don't have a wife. Get you one. A good saved one. Amen. You stay single. Amen. <laughs> yeah. She's like, the teacher's telling me, stay with mom and daddy. Amen. <laughs> There's like, come on, teacher, come on. First John 2, 27. I love the Lord, and I won't take it back. He has been so good to me. So good, so good. He's been so good to me. Amen. You know, I had this song we used to sing in church coming up. I love the Lord and I won't take it back. That's it. I love the Lord and I won't take it back. Hallelujah. First John 2 and 27. But the anointing, now understand the anointing is the Holy Spirit. And, and, I'll, and I'll tell you why, and we'll see it in this verse in just a moment. But very often when people read this anointing, they think of the anointing that's rubbed on or the anointing that comes on. But notice, it says, but the anointing which you have received of him abideth in you. So we're not just talking about an anointing that comes on you or anointing that you have for an office. 
He's talking to believers. He's not, he, understand this, he's not specifically referring to ministers or preachers here. He's writing to believers in this church. And he says, you have an anointing that's in you. Right? It dwells in you and you need not that any man teach you. But as the same anointing, now notice how many times it uses the word teach. As that same anointing teacheth you of all things and is truth and is no lie, even as it or he hath taught you, you shall abide in him. Do you, do you see this? The New Living says you've received the Holy Spirit and he lives in you. So you don't need anyone to teach you what is true. So this is not saying I don't need to listen to a minister or I don't need to take counsel from someone. The perfect context is they're being taught. People are teaching deception. And John is saying you don't need anybody to tell you that's deception. You have a teacher on the inside of you that'll tell you that's wrong. If you hear something and your spirit kind of goes, I don't know, quit listening. Because the teacher was just telling you that's not right. He's never going to yell at you. I didn't write. Turn it off. Because that's not how he operates. That would be demanding and demeaning. The Holy Spirit is never demanding and he's never demeaning. He is instructive and leading. And so that, that's why you got to be skilled in the flow. Listen, when you've been married long enough and you say something to your spouse, right? Guys, hey, Ralph, you know where I'm going already. Amen. And, and you say something and you see a look or you hear a, hmm, you go, okay, oh, wait, that no, that's not where we need to go. Right? I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Forgive me. Right? With Pastor Michelle, it's this. I'll say something. She'll go, oh, I know. I just missed it somewhere. Where, Ladies, when you see your husband look like this, he don't know. He don't know. He, pray for the man. He don't know. Well, he just acts like he don't know. He don't. He, he don't know. I call that the deer in the headlight look. God bless him. But the same way with the Holy Spirit. When you're listening to something or watching something and you and you and 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 right here on the inside of you, you get a check. And it's 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 kind of like, oh, I don't know. Listen to that. You don't need anything more than that. Don't listen to any more of it. I was I was at, at my father's memorial service here a couple weeks ago, and uh, somebody came in, and when they came through the door, they began to talk to me about a certain situation uh, uh, that had to do with uh, another minister. Uh, uh, I, I guess got in some problems or whatever. And right here, when they started talking about it, I heard, mm -mm, no, don't get in that. I didn't need any more. Right, because he's not my servant. He's going to stand before God, not me. And I don't want none. I, <laughs> I, right? I got to stand before God for myself. But the teacher, what's the teacher say? He said, who are you to judge another man's servant? Because before God, he stands or falls. That'll keep you out of trouble. The less you know about other people's dirt, the better off you are. 
Yeah, but they're wrong. That's okay. Let them be wrong. It's none of your business. You make sure you stay in your lane. And I'm not going to listen to them no more. That's your choice. That's your prerogative. But why are you doing it? If you do it because what they're saying is wrong, then that's okay. But if you're doing it because you have something against them, that's not how the teacher operates. Mm-hmm. But the point is, let me move back to my point. He said, you don't need somebody to tell you that's wrong. You have a teacher on the inside of you. Right? I have access to deeper counsel when I need it. Well, I've talked to several people and they don't know what to tell me. Then go to the one that you know knows. Amen. So John's saying the spirit of truth will guide you and you won't be deceived. Amen. Look at 1 Thessalonians 9. We're almost done, I think. Well, nobody said praise God, so that's a good thing. Oh. Hallelujah. <laughs> Hallelujah. I did have one person one time. I said, well, I'm going to close. They went, thank the Lord. And so I, I didn't ever see who it was. I think they said it and ducked down. Anyway, so if something's incorrect, the counselor will speak up on the inside of me. Now, I said this earlier, but the only way I'll recognize the teacher is to engage him on a regular basis. To engage him on a regular basis. Notice 1 Thessalonians 5. A very short passage of Scripture. Quench not the Spirit. Quench not the Spirit. And all of these go together, but I'm, I'm taking this out of its uh, setting for, for a purpose. Quench not the Spirit. Never silence the teacher. I've learned a long time ago. Uh, uh, I, 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 I have what we call counseling sessions. I don't like to call them that because I'm, I'm not a counselor. I'm not a, a licensed counselor. But people will say, I, I need counseling or whatever, and I don't mind. I'm a pastor. But I've learned something over the years. When somebody's talking to me about what they have going on, and I start pre pre presenting a solution or advice, and that person will look at me and go, oh, I know. Okay, we're done. You just silenced me. Because I'm, I'm, not, I'm one sentence into what I'm going to say, and you go, oh, yeah, yeah, I know. So if you know everything I'm about to say, why are we wasting my time? Right? There may be some things that a person says that you do know, but there's going to be something they say that you don't know. Right? Ever how long that you've been married. If you've been married 20 years, there's something that somebody that's been married 50 years knows that you don't know because they've been married 30 years longer than you. That means there's 30 more years of learning that you get to do. Right? 
But I've, I've watched people over the years, been married four or five years, talking to people who've been married 30 or 40 years and use that phrase, oh, I know. You don't know nothing. You just need to sit back and let the master speak. If, if it's nothing more than out of respect. If somebody's, listen, if somebody's been married 50 years, they've done something. Are you with me? In the day and age we live in, they have done something. They have, they have made it. You need to listen. Amen? Are you following me? <laughs> Don't silence the teacher. Don't silence the teacher. The Holy Spirit is teaching. And Paul writes to the church at Thessalonica, and isn't it interesting that he has to instruct them, don't quench the Holy Spirit. Now, quenching the Holy Spirit is not a baby crying during service. I mean, I understand that can be distracting at times. But I've heard people say, well, the Holy Spirit was moving, so-and-so got up and went to the bathroom, quenched the Holy Spirit. Well, no, they didn't. No, I mean, I realize people can disrupt things, but, but no. Quenching the Holy Spirit, this is personal. This is something I do in my life, right? One translation says, I'll give you a few of them, says restrain the Holy Spirit. The Good News Bible says don't restrain the Holy Spirit. The God's Word translation says don't put out the Spirit's fire. And the Amplified Bible says, don't suppress or subdue the Holy Spirit. Probably one of the most meaningful uh, descriptions of this quench not the Spirit is the description or the picture of a fire, a campfire, and someone brings a bucket, not of water, but of dirt, and puts it over that fire and smothers it. Don't smother the Spirit. Don't muffle Him. Well, why? Because of what Jesus said. He is speaking, He is leading, He is guiding, and He's teaching. All of those things require verbal communication. And if I have smothered the Holy Spirit or stifled Him or muffled Him, I can't hear correctly. And, and that's why your most direct link to the Holy Spirit, ever how direct it is, will determine the success or failure in your life. If it's an open and direct and clear, concise channel, then I can make decisions that are clear, concise, and correct. But if, it, if, it's, if it's muffled or if it's, if it's shrunken, if it's muddled by other things, then I'm going to hear part of what he said and not all of what he said. It's important. Amen. So if I restrain or oppress or suppress the Holy Spirit, I can't discern error. And so people will say, well, how could that person believe that? They're not listening to the Holy Spirit. Yeah, but they're born again. That doesn't mean anything. I know a lot of born again people that wouldn't know the Holy Spirit's voice if he yelled at them through a megaphone. I know Christians who wouldn't know the Holy Ghost that saw him coming down the road with a red hat on. Amen. Well, who's that? Well, that's the Holy Ghost. Never met him. Would you, right? 
But to know someone is to know their voice. Right? If, if, if I know you, I can be standing in the foyer and you be talking on the other side of that door with the door open, but I can't see you. But if I know you, somebody will say, hey, uh, uh, where's uh, uh, Brother Ralph or, or uh, Brother Larry? Or, well, I heard him talking on the other side of the wall. And if it was Pastor Larry, you really heard him talking on the other side of the wall. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. But if I restrain or suppress the Holy Spirit, I can't discern error. And, and I'll, I'll start wrapping up with this. And in the day and age we live in, folks, listen. The enemy is out to distract people on a level today like he never has before. And, and when I say what I'm going to say, understand my, my heart in saying it. There's a lot of voices that are saying a lot of things. And if you're not listening to the Holy Spirit, I'm, I'm going to tell you something that the Holy Spirit has kept dealing with me about. And you do whatever you want to do with it. You've got you to investigate it your own self spiritually. But a lot of what's going on in the world, folks, we have this year, we have some of the most important decisions that the world has ever seen. Amen. There are political decisions. We know we have an election coming up. And, and, and you're in here, and I could have different political persuasions. I'm not, I'm not throwing rocks at anybody. But I'm saying we have an important decision coming up. And if you will look and look at it with an open mind and a Christian mindset, you'll see something. Everything that's being said negative, eventually they lay it at the feet of our president. If you're talking about COVID, somehow COVID is his fault. You understand? Somehow, all the riots and destruction are his fault. Now, I know the man's not perfect, and I'm not preaching politically. I'm trying to get you to explain, to, to see something. There has been more advances for the church and the cause of Christ politically in the last four years than in the previous 20 years of administrations combined. And that's Republican and Democrat. We are a more solid ally of the nation of Israel now than we've ever been before. Ever. And your word that the Holy Spirit wrote said, if you will be a nation that blesses Israel, I will bless you. I will smile on you. Now, you've got to understand something. If there was a Democrat or an independent in office that had done the same thing, I would be, I would be saying the same thing about them. I, I am not a personality person. What do, what do they, where do they stand in line with the word? I don't care if they're black, white, Democrat, Republican. Where do they stand with the word? If they're in line with the word, I'm for them. But here's the point. The enemy's trying to uh, distract. He's a master of distraction. And he's trying to pull the world or the church into the same distraction he's got the world in. Don't you buy it. Don't buy it. 
People say, well, you know, what is this COVID thing? Well, you should have been in church a couple Sunday nights ago. You'd have got a lot of information from our pastor about that. Amen. There's a lot of seeds that have been sown in this nation that we're reaping. You can't kill 61 million babies and give your approval to homosexuality and transgenderism. Amen. You can't sow the seed and not expect to reap a harvest. But bless God, we're, the church is not reaping the same harvest the world is reaping. Don't get distracted. There's a bigger purpose from the enemy behind what's going on. And he's trying to get us distracted. Don't buy it. Don't buy into it. I'm telling you, don't buy into it. And, and you do whatever you want to with this. It's going to be amazing. It's going to be amazing as that season gets closer, as that season gets more near, how things start tailing off. And you're, you're going to be amazed how quick certain things are over with. Amen. It's going to happen. Don't get distracted. Hear what the Spirit is saying. What's the Spirit saying? And don't, 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 don't fall into that. Well, I just want things to be back to normal. Stay in the Word. They're normal. They're normal. We're, we're, we're normally blessed. We're normally well. We're, we're normally okay. Every, everything's normal. Amen. It's, it's not a black thing. It's not a white thing. It's not a race thing. It's a devil thing. Folks, I'm trying, I'm trying to explain to you. Oh, Lord, I need to hush. I know. I, but I'm, try, I'm trying to explain to you. I've had people ask me, well, don't you think black lives matter? I've got black folk that come to my church. Let me ask you, do you think I think your life matters? Do you think I think your life matters? You know I think your life matters. But, but for certain people, it's not about the black lives. It's about their agenda. It's about getting their Marxist agenda into our nation. It's not about black lives. If they cared about black lives, they'd be fighting abortion. If they cared about black lives, that right, they would be fighting black on black violence and murder and crime. They don't, they don't care about black lives. They care about their agenda. And anytime you promote an agenda at the expense of the people you're supposed to be protecting, you're being used by the devil. They're stirring up all this angst and anxiety and putting young black men and black women out in the street angry and getting them killed and getting their lives destroyed and at the same time trying to say they care. That's a lie. It's a lie. Read through the Word of God and find out that black lives do matter and white lives matter and yellow lives matter. Everybody matters to God. God cares about every person on this planet. Don't be distracted and deceived by the enemy that this is something that's going to give me more freedom. It's something that's going to give people more bondage. The more you give yourself and your thinking to another person's agenda, the more you become what you don't want to be. Oh, glory to God. Don't get distracted. Don't get distracted. Let's fight the real culprit. Let's fight the real thing. It's the devil. It's the enemy. Glory be to God. Well, I think I've helped you. Stand on your feet. Praise the Lord. Amen. Hallelujah. Because you've got to understand something. I don't, I don't believe in tokenism.
I'm not out after white folk or black folk or Mexican folk. That's, that's not what I do. I want everybody. If you're on your way to hell and you need help, I want you. If you need the Word of God to work in your life, I want you. Black, white, female, male, Mexican, Asian, I don't care. Come on, whosoever will may come, the Bible says. And guess what? The Word will work. Larry, the Word works just as good for a black man as it does a white man. It works just as good for a woman as it does a man. You can take somebody who the world calls an illegal alien and give them the Word and God will prosper them. Because God doesn't look at them and say, well, they don't have a green card. God looks at them and says, are they working my word? God doesn't look at it and say, well, that's my black son and my white son. God says, them are my children, and I gave them all my word equally. And if they'll take my word, put it in their mouth, they can change their life. Amen. I'm picking on him, but I'm going to say something here because I feel led of the Holy Spirit. This man, this man is living in a house in a neighborhood that people told him he did not deserve to live in because he's black. And he just took the word of God and went and got it anyway. Makes you laugh, doesn't it? Ha, ha, ha. Amen. Just living there anyway. And many of you are doing the same thing. What I'm trying to tell you is the enemy will try to distract you. Everybody's against me. Nobody likes me. My skin color isn't wrong. That one's against me. This one's against me. The system's against me. The state's against me. The government's against me. Everybody's against me. If God is for you, who can be against you? Nobody. Nobody. <laughs> My Lord. That was worth coming to church for.